Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dream Big podcast, where we are discussing topics that focus on developing today's youth into right now leaders. The Dream Big podcast is hosted and produced by the Scholars and Leap to College Foundation, a 501c3 organization that creates and supports programs which directly achieve positive outcomes for underrepresented students by improving high school graduation rates and college acceptance through educational enrichment activities, internships, mentoring, community engagement, leadership development, and parental involvement. My name is Elena Rowe, one of the podcast team directors and the educational and virtual programs coordinator here at LEAP. I am so excited to welcome back our listeners to our podcast. As a quick plug, we invite all of our listeners and supporters to connect with us further to our website, www.leap.com to collegefoundation.org and various social media sites. Our Instagram, Leap to College Foundation Inc. That's L-E-E-P-T-O College Foundation Inc. And our YouTube, L2C Dream Big. In today's episode, you will hear from our podcast team and guest, Mental Health Director Crystal Dorn and Ms. Mamuna Bengora Dixon, who currently works in Prince George's County in Early Intervention Services. Ms. Dixon has previously served in the District of Columbia Public School System as a special education teacher and coordinator. She's also conducted research on the effects of bullying on general education and special education students. This episode is hosted by Priya Wakoma, who's an eighth grade scholar in the program. I hope you enjoy this episode. And also, just so you know, our social media links, in case you didn't catch me saying it earlier, will be in the description box below. So please make sure to click on those and follow us to get any updates on any of our events and programs. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dream Big podcast produced by the Leap to College Scholars. Today, we're, being, we're going to be talking about bullying, very interesting topic. And we have two special guests, Ms. Dorn and Ms. Dixon. So let's go ahead and introduce our scholars and mentors. everyone. My name is Christopher Wallace. I am a mentor with the Leap to College Foundation and uh, happy to be discussing this topic today. Hi everyone. Uh, my name is Elena Rowe. I am a, a recent college graduate from Hood College and um, I'm excited to be on here today with you all to talk about this uh, important topic. Uh, hello, my name is Kaylin Wright. Um, I'm at high school and I'm excited to be here today. Hello, once again, I'm Priya. I'm the host for today's episode, and I'm also excited to be here. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? My name is Sydney. Um, I'm a junior at Parkdale High School, and I'm excited to be talking about bullying today and the effects of it. Hello, my name is Zion Covington. Um, I'm a middle schooler, and I'm excited to be here today. And... Can Ms. Doran and Ms. Dixon introduce yourselves too? Good afternoon. My name is Ms. Dixon, and I currently work with the Prince George's County Public Schools Early Intervention Program. Hey, 
and I am Ms. Doran, Director of Mental Health for Youth and Teens um, for the Be More Aware Mental Health Initiative. Thank you guests for joining us today for this episode. So let's jump in. So bullying is something you can't really escape. You know, it's kind of like everywhere with school in like workplaces, college, even in like a restaurant or anything. So like, we really need to know how to be prepared when we experience bullying. So how do you deal with the different types of bullying? Uh, can I start? Can I jump in? Yep. Okay. So bullying is really something that has been going on for quite a bit of time. And um, all bullying has a significant impact on the way people develop, how they interact. Um, but when it comes to bullying in terms of dealing with it, the one thing that you want to do is to make sure that you are taking steps and meaning immediately, i.e. reporting it to your teachers, to your parents, um, and really having a conversation about what's going on so that we can make sure that we tease out what is bullying and what could potentially be, oh, this is just children on children teasing. Um, sometimes that happens. And so we need to first be clear about what it is we're addressing before we kind of start to look into that. So how do you know if it's just teasing or it's bullying? Well, and that's a good question. And that's typically what you do want to start with. And by definition, bullying is typically something that is unwanted and aggressive behavior that is that really manifests itself based on an imbalance of power, meaning I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you, for example, and I'm exerting that power over you. Um, so once you kind of identify what is happening, the next thing that you want to do is to start those conversations, um, making sure that you are having conversations again with educators, with your parents, uh, and reporting it, most importantly, which sometimes is also difficult for students to do, to say, to tell someone. And by having that conversation with them, you give them power and that confidence to say, you know what, it's okay for me to talk about this. It's okay for me to tell someone what is happening. Um, Schools can take a variety of steps, which I myself have taken part in over the years, just in working with um, student age, school age students, excuse me. Um, we've had assemblies. You can have uh, small conversations in your classrooms. Um, everything does not necessarily always have to be in an assembly in order to address it. And I would actually encourage more schools to consider doing the smaller meetings, the smaller um, activities, and to have those conversations, whether it's in their classrooms or with staff, because you also want to train your staff to understand and know what bullying looks like 
so that if they do see it, they can clearly also identify and quickly begin to address it. Um, teachers in their classrooms can do it through role play so that other children know what it looks like because sometimes they don't. They can do it through journal writing or writing activities so that kids feel safe being able to share that information in case they aren't sure or are too afraid to verbalize it. So now you're giving them another opportunity and another form to be able to express that without necessarily feeling like they are becoming more vulnerable by sharing something that either somebody does not identify or doesn't recognize. Yeah, thank you. So does cyberbullying work the same way? Should you also take those steps? Absolutely. Um, you want to take those steps. And with cyberbullying, there's a ton of, there's other options that you have. You can report it to law enforcement. Um, a lot of sites now have anti-bullying, anti-hate uh, policies that you can look at so people can be reported on those. But the most important thing is to definitely work to try to address it right away. Um, and to also make it a point to not necessarily respond to the bully or to the person, especially in that method or forwarding. If you're not the person bullying, perhaps you see it. And sometimes people do it and even adults. Oh, I saw this. They forward it to someone else and it spreads. So sometimes that type of bullying, cyberbullying can actually be more detrimental because now it has a larger audience. It's not like at school where it's just, okay, this group of children or these group of people that are here. With cyberbullying, you've opened it up to the whole world wide web and everyone that's in it and that could potentially gain access to that information. But certainly making sure that they report reported to the online service providers, reporting it to law enforcement, making sure that they report it to the schools. Um, all schools, almost all states have anti-bullying policies. So it's important to become familiar with those and to understand what steps you need to take in order to address it when it is happening. Um, whether it's in the school or in a school function, on the school bus or what have you. So sometimes bullying is not always necessarily what happens within the school building. It can also be what's happening outside of that school building. Yeah, I think cyberbullying has become like very popular now because everything's online because of COVID and you can like easily go anonymous or you can just easily oh, let me just log on here and type stuff. Even on like social media, TikTok, Instagram, it's really easy to just say whatever you want and not get caught or be held accountable for what you say. But for the scholars, how do you feel when you tell someone that you're being bullied or you're being made fun of? Do you think the teachers actually help or like, do they ever, do you think they ever care when you report? Um, um, oh, oh I, I was doing one, um, uh, when this, um, Maymuna or 
Did how do you pronounce your last name again? I'm sorry. Dixon, but Mamoon is fine. You were correct. Miss okay. Dixon. I'm, I, I've I've raised to say an adult last name. Miss Dixon. But um <laughs> when when you were speaking of not giving, not responding to the, the cyber bully, all I could think of was, you know, I've learned recently that, you know, blocking, you know, cyberbullying, what's cyberbullying, you can always block the person, you can always remove them, you know, remove, always remove yourself from the situation, you know, if that person, you, that you can't, if you, if you're still near that person, or if you're still in contact with that person, you can easily block it off with just a, a click of a button, you know, and, and I think that's what people, I think people miss out that people don't understand that when you're still near them, or when you still talk to them, or even if you still follow them, you're still giving them energy you're still giving the whole situation energy and if you like once you block them it everything is gone you know they're gone all, all everything they said about you is gone you know online you know and now that you don't feel if once you block them you've removed their presence is simply what i'm trying to say you know and um and your question priya to answer your question i don't think teachers really i think they care because we call it tea like, like tea left to be spilled in classroom, and we know the teachers hear every ounce of it. And and I feel like the teachers may think that, like, you know, they're barging into someone else's problem. And I think the teachers are are holding themselves, let's say that they, they may not want to lose their job over, you know, like, think over like some kids arguing. But I mean, at the end of the day, as an adult, if you see something, somebody, something bothering a kid or, um, someone like abusing them or harming them, it should be your initial response to say, hey, are you okay? You know, are you doing okay? What's the problem? Um, you know, and I think adults miss out on that. Adults, uh, that's why some kids don't trust adults too as well, you know, that's why they don't, don't trust them as well. But I to answer your question, teachers, I don't think they, they care when they want to, I think so. Yeah, and I also agree with what you said before with like using the block button because I think I feel like what bullies really want is attention so when you like block them or ignore them or like walk away then they'll be the ones hurt or they'll be the ones mad in the end instead of you but yeah, yeah. I, oh oh go ahead no I, I agree with Sydney it's like you know they're trying to get some type of like I guess the word is gratification. I don't, I don't know if that's the word or not, but it explains exactly what I'm trying to say. Gratification from you being hurt by what they say. But like, just don't just don't give them the time of day. If they say something mean, just look at them and just keep going. Don't don't even waste your time. Like, well, yeah, that's why it bothers them the most. Yeah. yeah. And like I used to play Call of Duty during like the golden age and in them chats. Oh my gosh, I've been called everything you could possibly think of. I've heard like, stories <laughs> of them chats. I've heard stories of those chats. Yes, bro. Oh, it no. gets so that. heated. It gets so heated. It, it's, it's crazy. Nothing really bothers me no more because I'm like, oh, that's not original at all. So, like, people, people will say I got a big forehead. I'm like, yeah, that's okay. not original. Literally, everyone says that. So, exactly. Like, that's what but, I'm saying. I'm like, okay. So cool, I know, on. like, the just ignore them gets, like, hard at times, but if you just, like, don't listen to them, like, half the time, some bullies 
have gone through something in their lives and sometimes they could be missing something in their lives so they take it out on someone else so just don't listen to them and the the piece to not to ignoring is not ignore it and don't address it so that's why those extra pieces and steps are there you ignore it because you're not addressing it and you're not giving it the attention and the fuel and fire that they want from you that they're getting a response from you but that you also take the proper steps to make sure that it is addressed and that part is still important as well and to always remember like no I'm not like you guys have said I won't sit here and go back and forth with you or actually even indulge you berating me or trying to berate me but I am going to do x y and z to ensure that this does not continue or that someone is aware that this is happening I wanted to pose a question to um, a lot the, the scholars in here most. And um, and it's just making me reflect on my middle school days and my high school days and what have you. Not too long ago, but a pretty <laughs> long time ago. Um, this in this before kind of the advent of social media. Um, we had Twitter, I think, in my senior year of high school, but it didn't take hold enough for us to use it in that way. But in school, I've always kind of felt this sort of a social check and balance to bullying in which I wasn't, you know, the most biggest kid or like the, the most meanest kid on, on the schoolyard or what have you. But nobody really messed with me because not that I was like fit to do something to them, but almost coming at me would be seeming like a, a easy victory in a sense or a uh, low-hanging fruit um and it wasn't something that garnered respect um so i want to know how y'all feel do y'all feel like that does that check and balance feel familiar is that something that y'all experience um in y'all school lives now um yes sometimes because like there's always like it's not like the whole class is a group sometimes it's like there's little groups inside the class and then those and then if two groups like have to do something together half the time it will end up in an argument and then also like there will always be um just people um just always like sometimes they would just start stuff sometimes or sometimes they would just spread stuff about people and that's not right because then when someone says something about them it, they just go off and then suddenly the other person is the bad guy. Yeah, I see that all the time, like the, the groups of people in like one class. So one group usually goes for another group. But I think that like an individual bully would maybe go to someone who kind of like looks easy, like an easy target or maybe someone who doesn't, you know, talk much or hang or doesn't like, or is usually like, you know, alone because they would not expect them to, you know, to like say anything back or to fight back. Right, that's the exact uh, same way I was feeling. Oh. Oh, no, I was feeling that's the exact same way I was feeling um, pre-A 
when you said, I think when he said, when, uh, he said it's the opposite, I, when he said like people don't want to pick him because he's like a low hanging fruit or something, I think it's the opposite now. I think like people who don't get enough attention or who who just like to bully people or just like to argue, they always go for something that's easy. You know, they won't mess with somebody who like that that's confident in themselves or that that's up high, you know, because yeah. I don't, for some reason they just like to go at the the, the people who don't talk much, who are unproblematic, who who don't don't may not even know them, you know, or don't even know what they're associated in, you know. And I just don't understand why some like people would do that. Maybe it's because, like I said, they don't get enough attention, or maybe they feel insecure. Who knows? Yeah, you know, it like probably gives them like a feeling of like power over people. Cindy, um, to add on what you're saying right now, um, I, I think that um, they would also go for people who are like quiet most of the time. So that means like they wouldn't really bring any attention to teachers, meaning that the teacher wouldn't really, you know, pay attention um, to them. And then it will be like under the radar. That's absolutely correct. That that is what I have witnessed a lot is, is what all of you are saying, but especially what Zion just said is that they'll go after the person who there's not that much attention or focus on because they are quiet. But in expecting that the quiet person will not go and tell an adult and will not report it. So I have a question for you all because I heard the conversation go into group bullying versus individual. Is there more or less of a threat from a group or individual. And first I'd like Ms. Dixon to speak on that and then the scholars. Um, there's definitely, you know, as they say with most things, there's always more power in a group than in an individual. With one person, you can typically find some sort of way to try to navigate it and it's interesting that you asked me that, Dorn, and I'm not sure if you remember, but you and I talking about this, when my daughter was in high school, she was experiencing that, the whole group bullying phenomenon. And it was, it's much more challenging trying to deal with that because now you have all of these people to point fingers at. And this person to say, oh, well, no, it wasn't me. I was just standing there. Oh, no, it wasn't me. But it's a collaborative effort. However, there's typically a leader in that group that instigates the interaction. And then, of course, everyone follows. And that's not to say all of them are not responsible. But now the victim has much more work to do in terms of trying to prove well, is it this person or is it that person? And did this one do it or did that one? And so that's where you have to really be a lot more alert and really prepared to not only have information, i.e. documentation of certain things that happen, or even if it's a friend of yours that witnesses it and can be able to you know, support what you're saying that yes, this did happen. And 
my daughter grow, you know, she's you guys' age, so she's growing up in your era with the social media this and the social media that and oh, this person went on social media and said this, and then this person said that, but then this, and then it goes back to the school. So the group portion of bullying is definitely a lot more difficult to deal with, and it is a lot more challenging because now their behavior is also being reinforced, that particular bully, and they're supporting each other in that. And it makes that person that's being bullied feel even more isolated, especially if they don't feel like they have the support either at home or at school to really navigate through the process to deal with it. I definitely think group bullying is probably more, uh, it's worse because personally, I'm not a very confrontational person. And so if a group of people are after me, then I'm like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with you all. But it's, I think it's easier to deal, even if it is a bully, with just one individual person, that's easier to deal with than a group of, a group of people. And it's hard. It's hard to confront people when you're not a confrontational person. So I would say a group is more, um, is more to deal with than an individual bully. Yeah, bullying has definitely changed. Um, like hearing stories, like bullying is not the meet me at the playground after school or at recess thing no more. It's not that it's sometimes, it, and I'm not even proud to say it, it's life or death. You know, people take the internet thing too far um, and sometimes the in-person thing too far out of a he said, she said, um, or, or, or a situation or something. And, and all of this stuff happens because of, of the, I would say, not there not being a solution, they're not being a, a conflict a resolution person at a school or, or telling the right authority. You know, you know, you never know who you're telling. You could be telling somebody who's in it, who's instigating it, who's a part of it. Um, and yeah, it's just it's crazy. I don't know why, where bullying, when did where did bullying just start? I don't know. Jealousy. I don't know when did bullying become such a thing afterwards that you have to tear someone else down in order to- Sometimes it is jealousy because um, people could just bully you for the most random things. Like, um, for example, someone could be bullying you for your, like if you just bought new shoes, they could call your shoes bad or something and all this stuff. Um, but then they could be just jealous of your shoes because they don't have shoes like that. So it could be that. And also, I feel like it could also it could be jealousy, or it could just be just random, just some just wanting someone to pick on. Zion, you bring up an interesting point, and I'd like to pose that: um, Is there a way that we can hold bullies or groups of bullies accountable? and at the same time address the reason for their bullying. I personally believe that bullying comes from a place of insecurity or it comes from a place of trauma, uh, trauma of something that they may not have received or have received in their lives. So I know they're making a conscious decision, so I don't wanna let them off the hook. You know, like they need to be held accountable for the things that they're doing to, to, to their fellow students and what have you. But 
how can we address properly some of the things that are bringing these sort of feelings on for them to take it out on, on other people? So that's that's actually a really good question. Um, and a lot of research, well, I'm not going to say a whole lot, but research is attempted and different people like myself are looking at these different factors. Um, and one of the things I think that, you know, especially for Ms. Dorn and I having worked in the schools for so long, one of the things that you learn and start to come to understand is that and you guys have probably heard this adage of hurt people hurt people. Um, and you guys gave excellent examples. It could be jealousy. It could be um, someone else has taken advantage of me. So now I'm going to do that to someone else. So sometimes the bully is being bullied. Um, and this is the only way that they've learned how to communicate and how to exert any kind of control over their environment, over their life, is that this is what I've been taught, that this is how you get things done, this is how you get your needs met, and if when you first ask for it doesn't happen that way, then aggression is the way to do it. So some of it is, you know, we learn from our environment, we learn from how we're treated, and we sometimes make the assumption that that makes it okay to treat someone else like that. It could be that it's reinforced because of the group phenomena. Okay, I'm getting all this attention. Everybody's laughing at me, teasing him about his shoes, and they are entertained by what I'm doing. So great, now I'm going to keep doing it because it's giving me attention. It's giving me you know, a platform to be whatever it is I think I'm doing, albeit hurtful to someone else. Um, and so it's really about looking at that person, at that individual, which is why it's so important to, to have these conversations, not just with the victim, but with the victimizer um, to, find, to, to really learn about what is happening with them. What are their lived experiences that motivates them to feel like this is the only way to engage or to connect with people? Um, and I think sometimes the way that it's even dealt with, so for example, even in my daughter's case, okay, well, this person got suspended. That suspension did not address the issue because guess what? They come back to school. It's the same thing. Um, and then it just becomes this cycle until you really sit down and have a conversation that gets to the bottom or the root of whatever the issue is, if there's actually even a valid issue. Um, and valid meaning, let's say, oh, this person had done this to me and it hurt my feelings. So two years later, I just feel like I'm going to keep harassing them. And that's not even to say that that's an excuse or that's a rationale, just an example. But to, to get to know them, because sometimes they are also victims of something. We just don't know what it is. We just see the behavior and we take it from there, but not really having that conversation with them about what are your experiences? What is going on with you? And how can we help you while also helping you understand that what you're doing to someone else is not okay? Yeah, I agree with what you said about 
them just suspending the bullies like they kind of schools kind of like take the easy way out to just move on like sometimes you need to address actually address the bully and actually evaluate the bully and the victim too to see you know what's going on in their personal lives and to actually you know deal with the pro- deal with the problem instead of you know just pushing it aside so to our next topic what can schools do to you know prevent bullying and to keep to make their schools a safer environment Um, I think we talked about this a little bit when we first started, or maybe it might have been offline, but there's a lot of things that they can do. Um, I would, again, I've seen a lot of assemblies, and not just from research, but just from my personal experiences, I'm not sure how well they're reaching the audience that we want them to reach. Um, but perhaps smaller groups might be a little more helpful where you have a round table and you can really have an in-depth conversation in a safe place where all kids, not just the people that are being bullied, but even those that are doing the bullying have a somewhat a safe space where they feel like, okay, I can speak my truth without um, repercussions, without fear that this is going to be used against me once we leave out of here and that I can speak honestly. I bullied them because they have better shoes than me. And I feel bad that I come to school with shoes that I don't think are as nice or I did it because of X, Y, and Z. But to really get to the bottom of it, allowing um, teachers to incorporate that into their lessons, um, whether it's a writing prompt or acting out something um, in the class where children can actually get to see how different people feel from different perspectives. Um, there's a ton of information online about different activities that really families and schools and teachers can get into and really helping school staff as well, not just your school psychologist or your social workers or your counselors, but everybody understand what bullying is, what it looks like, and what their role is in addressing it. Because I think a young man mentioned earlier, teachers see everything, but they may not always address everything. And so that piece is going to be important educating and empowering peers on how to be a support system to one another without necessarily turning it into a fight, but ensuring that they make it clear that this is not okay. And we do that by not giving someone the platform and the attention that they need to feel like it's okay. Because oftentimes when bullying happens, it's happening when there's an audience when there's someone there to see you berate someone else or to make them feel bad or do something that's going to make them feel uncomfortable. And to ensure that everyone is then practicing these things and that it's an open conversation. So it's not something to be ashamed of and that we all need to have that conversation so we can start to help one another. Yes, uh, 
I was going to say, um, I like everything uh, that you said, uh, especially about the assemblies. Um, being honest, I don't, I mean, I've been, I've been in a lot of bullying assemblies. Um, not first time I'm a bully. I don't, I don't like bullying. I'm against all forms of bullying. I actually had a bullying um, assembly recently. <laughs> think about it. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say, but so I don't think the assemblies work. Cause I mean, think you have everybody gathered there. You have the whole school gathered there. And in that school, you could just say, for example, there are two bullies per 10 students or two bullies per two students, you know, just, just an imaginary ratio, you know. Um, and I don't think everybody listens to them, being honest, because, I mean, I don't know. I don't think really people really listen to them. I think they just sit on their phone and like, you know, just be like, oh, look, look at that person, look at that video. Sometimes they laugh and as I'm watching, I'll be like, that's not funny. Like, watching somebody get pushed down the step or off the slide or anything, you know, that's not, it's not funny to see someone be uh, bullied or be abused or be brutally injured or harmed. That's not funny. But what I do think would help is maybe have a student do an evaluation of their home. You know, I've been, I've heard that how you act at home is how you act in public, you know, and school is considered public um, and outside place. Um, so I would say, you know, is whether what's going on at home, you know, not trying to scare anybody or send CPS your way, you know, but uh, I've heard that how you act at home is how you act in public. And I think if the students do a, like, like for example, if their room is dirty, I'm pretty sure most likely how they work, how they go about how they day, their organizational skills. I'm pretty sure that's not as as, as good as well, you know. Um, if if they wake up late or if they do anything that's late on Friday, that doesn't show that they're on time. That doesn't show they're not necessarily less devoted, but their work ethic is not is not that it's not that great, you know. So I think having an evaluation of their home life would, would be would be essential to figuring out why do they act a certain way out in public, you know. I think definitely schools can be more uh, like push more on student on student um, advocacy and having people uh, kind of look internally at themselves and kind of have those discussions within small groups. Um, I know some schools have like uh, like schools against bullying or something like that, like some sort of like club or program or something. I think those those clubs can definitely be more um, initiated, and students can learn how to advocate not only for themselves but for others who may seem afraid, who who are uh, afraid to do so, or uh, maybe are not as uh, confrontational. And also, I think in terms of curriculum, I think students could do. I mean, students, teachers, or schools could do a better job in terms of um, promoting like a social emotional learning program where students can maybe. Um, come have a safe and open dialogue about what they're going through and also just um, coming up with various solutions about it. And the, t the teachers and the schools would just be more accommodating to that and not always push things to the side because that doesn't help at all. Uh, so I think it's important to have the students to also have a voice and not have people talking at them in terms of school assemblies, but they can always, they have the chance to go forward and talk about their, um, what they're going through, either in small groups, which I think is more beneficial, or um, have a better like curriculum in terms of that. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with the small groups and the after school after school clubs instead of the big assemblies because they can come off as like in, intimidating to the victim to speak up and you know because like everyone's listening and sometimes most of the time the adults don't even help so like the bullies will just come back at them after the assembly so I think in small groups and clubs they kind of have that small support group to lift them up So after talking about how schools can, you know, prevent bullying, how can like us as an individual prevent bullying with people around us? Don't endorse it. I mean, I, I personally feel like it's kind of simple, honestly. Yeah, maybe like if you see someone getting bullied, maybe not laugh at it because like that kind of makes it worse in a way. Yeah, always be mindful of who you hang around, who your friends are. Um, I feel like that's majorly important because it's also been said that um, whoever you think it, or whoever is your close friend or who you ever you, uh, how do I put it? Like, uh, I just went away, I just had it. But like whoever is your circle of friends, they represent you or they're a reflection of you. You know, your friends are, some of your friends are a reflection of you and your morals and, and who, who you are, who you want to be, you know. We have, and sometimes it's good to, sometimes it's good to uh, have people that have the same mindset as you, you know, um, like who want to go to the same places, who have like big, bigger and better dreams, you know, not saying the people who's doing the bullying, they don't have better dreams as well, because everyone has a dream, everyone wants to be something, you know, but um, always, always, just always know who you hang around, you know, I, I was writing one day, and I was telling my, my like friends and stuff, you know, because there's something that happened at our school that was so outrageous and I was just telling them like you know always be cautious of who y'all around you know you never know how this person may feel one day they may just spaz out one day on you and you don't haven't even done anything you know or they just may go crazy and you're just like what I've never saw this before I don't even know who you are anymore you know what what what's, what's going on you know so just always be mindful of your surroundings always be cautious of who you're around and always be cautious of who you tell things as well, you know. And not everything's meant to be shared. Sometimes you just gotta hush, just, you know. So yeah, that, that's my advice. I would also, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to add that from an emotional standpoint, it's really awesome to have the support of your peers. Um, bullying has such long withstanding effects on an individual that to have friends and people that are supportive to you definitely lends to them being less anxious, being less depressed as an example about what is happening because now they feel like they have support, um, not just at home, but at school where they spend most of their day. Yeah, and I think to your point, uh, Ms. Dixon, um, I think not only just uh, trying to build that accountability of the people doing the bullying, but trying to bring in community, the people who are 
being uh, subject to the bullying. Um, a lot of the times, kids that are usually subject to bullying may be isolated, um, and that isolation kind of makes them more of targets for the bulliers because they know there's not a community of people that are supporting them, trying to protect them, or trying to look out for them. So if you do happen to see that, I think it would be a great idea to, you know, make friends, communicate, um, empathize, work with uh, them, bring them into your community of friends uh, that you have, whoever your, your team or your squad is. Um, and uh, it, it, it creates, again, that social check of, you know, you're not going to be able to just walk all over or step all over this person without having to answer to the people that are cool with them um, or, you know, however it, it works out. Don't, obviously, I don't want to advocate any violence. I'm not advocating that, you know, I'm a pacifist. Let's be peaceful. Uh, but again, creating that community is a great way to, you know, just keep everybody's spirits up, um, just show support uh, for anybody going through a hard time. Yeah, I like that, like trying to include everybody in something. So if, because we said that bullies usually come to people who are kind of alone. So if we just include everybody and in everything, then the bully won't have anyone to target and they can just keep their their you know comments to themselves so and I also agree with the groups that you hang around because if you're a nice person but you also hang around people who are bullies then you might also become that type of person so you should definitely find people who also have that common interest to stay nice and like have that good community instead of hanging around people who like who are the opposite of you. Now, I was thinking about what uh, Christopher, when he said, uh, um, like, don't ever use violence. Uh, I'm not for violence either. I'm not for violence either. But like I said in the past, I will defend myself by any means necessary. But I'm not a violent person. I don't want the people on the podcast to get the wrong idea. But what do we do as as humans, what do we do when, if they get to that level, you know, of, of, of you know, of aggression? What, what do we do? How do we address it? Yeah, that is a good question because teachers are like, always report to the teacher, but then parents are like, always fight back if someone hits you. So it's exactly. a very contradiction. Exactly. Like on my Sunday service early, I, well, I'm not, I'm not going to share that because they may get the wrong idea. They may think I'm crazy or something. <laughs> But yeah, how yeah, the right back to you. So how do we how do we address the aggressive bully? How do we? Hey, look, I'm gonna be straight out, right? I had this friend, right? And we have like this friend group, and like you know, I have a thing with like power. I do not like giving control to other people. So like, so okay, so like, he's trying to be an alpha, but I'm already the alpha, and he's trying to like with me. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I got to the point where I was ready to fight this dude, right? And he's always threatening me. And the thing is, of course, I don't, I don't want to find anybody, right? I don't want to find anybody. I'm not into that. It's not cool. But he was about to – he was he was doing something, right? He was doing something to me. I got mad. I, like, flinched at him like that. And he was like – and he stopped after that. Didn't, didn't have to lay a finger on him. He just stopped. Had to show him what's up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, sometimes it doesn't have to get physical. You can just, like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to explain. You just, like, 
act like you about to do something. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because there are times in life, this is real life, real time, real world, right? So there may be times when someone is being aggressive. There may be times when you have to defend yourself. The one thing about that, since we're having this conversation is in the moment, you don't think about the consequences of your behavior in that moment. So what can happen if you choose to fight back is that you too now will have to suffer consequences depending on the environment you're in, per se, school, that you too, you could be the victim, but now you're in trouble. Now you're getting suspended. And depending on your age, you could also be arrested for assault. So we have to be mindful of our decision of whether or not to physically fight back. So that's something um, I will turn over to Ms. Dixon, but, but I trust me, I get it. I get it. I am a person who I am um, a kind, compassionate person, but at the same time, if you come for me too many times, then I will have to defend myself. So these are things that are, this is part of life. Sometimes you can defend yourself with words. Sometimes you can defend yourself by taking legal action. It doesn't always have to be the aggressive physical fight. But again, I've also seen situations where kids have had to fight back and it was warranted that they had to defend themselves. So Ms. Dixon, if you could speak on that a little. So one of the things I would say about that um, as a professional and as a parent, you really wanna think about and kind of echoing some of what Ms. Dorn is talking about you really wanna think about what the outcome is going to be if you choose that route. Obviously, if you feel your life is in danger and this is the only way I can defend myself and my physical and personal space, that's a decision and a choice that you have to make. But if you also feel that unsafe, then you should absolutely be having a conversation with an adult about that. Someone should be aware that this is happening and I feel that I am physically in danger. I feel X, Y, and Z is going to happen with this person because there's a very big difference between you just getting into a fight and there actually being documentation to support that this person has been antagonizing me. I have reported this several times. I have sought help. I have asked for help. I have communicated with the principal, the teachers, the parents, 
um, even the school board about what's going on and nothing was addressed. There is a difference between that being the case and you having all of that to support you versus, you know, they were coming at me or I felt like they were coming for me and I just started swinging. There's a huge difference because now as school administrators or as school faculty, all we're seeing is a fight. If there's never been anything reported, no discussion about anything, all the adults see is a fight between two children. And so they're going to be neutral and address it the way that it's supposed to be addressed when you see that. So trying to say or justify later after the fact, the reasons, not that they won't be heard, but not having that support there may also lead you to having the same consequences and actions that that bully also gets, that other person. So as hard as it is sometimes to have those conversations, you really wanna involve your parents. When you guys get those student handbooks at the beginning of the year, read them. Read it, read it, read it, because it's in there. The bullying policy for the schools, if that state, county, or jurisdiction has a bullying policy, it's in the student handbook. You know, when the beginning of the school year comes and they give this to you and say, you sign it, take it to your parents, have them sign it, it's in there. Because when it's all said and done, the disciplinary action for also other infractions are also in there. And that's what the school teams are looking at when they decide, do you get two days? Do you get three days? Or do we just kick you out altogether? So it's important that you also take accountability and responsibility to make sure that you are well-informed and that you are following the process for reporting bullying. Because if no one knows, then no one can really help. And if you don't tell them, then it's almost as if it's not happening, if that makes sense because no one knows that this is actually something that's happening. And I know that it is very difficult. I acknowledge that it's extremely difficult to talk about, to deal with and to find a way to address it, but it's so important to be able to do so. So do I get it that sometimes, yes, you feel like you have to protect your physical space and your physical being? I get it, absolutely. But are there consequences to that? they also are, especially if there isn't a trail of information, of support on your behalf that says this was the only option that this child had at this moment because of X, Y, and Z that has been happening for a period of time that has not been addressed. Right, so it seems the best way to deal with a bully, whether cyber or in person is, or physical, is to just block them, you know. Be blocked and uh, be blessed. That's the song uh, that somebody made that thing, and I love that song. I have it as a highlight on my page, so whenever you visit, you click it and, you know, you listen to it. But, um, oh, and blocking in person, uh, if no one uh, understood what I meant by that, what I meant was, like, you know, like how we mentioned earlier, like, you know, remove yourself away from the drama, you know, then just because you're removing yourself away from the drama or staying clear 
of someone who clearly likes to argue and who clearly wants intention, that doesn't mean you show any less. That means you doesn't, um, you're not afraid of them. That doesn't mean that, you know, you're not scared of them. Uh, it just shows that, you know, you want to be peaceful and you choose to be peaceful and you choose to recognize the situation for, for what it's for because you already know the outcome, like we stated earlier, what may happen if you do uh, address the situation into your own hands. Uh, and sometimes our own hands may be the wrong way. So, you know, always release her from the drama and stay clear of, you know, whoever likes to argue or get in trouble. You know, that's how you block somebody in person. You know, blocking online is the push of a button. I agree that um, a lot of people see like walking away or blocking as like weakness, but I think it's like it's actually strong because you're able to ignore the person, ignore what they're saying, and you have like that security in you that you don't. Oh, I can just easily block you or walk away from you. So, yeah, I think that's a really important thing. That that's not weakness. It's actually a lot of strength. So now that we've talked about um, what's under the surface of bullying, what are some fields that we can go into or jobs that we can take in the future to help students who are like prone to bullying, like students who have disabilities or people who just aren't as popular or aren't as smart as people who uh, so basically people who are just prone to being bullied, what are some fields or jobs we can take in the future to help those people? Um, so I think personally, if you work in the school system or you are in any field where you touch, not physically, um, but that you are around other people's children on a regular basis, I think any field in which you're doing counselors, principals, um, administrative heads, anybody who deals with mental health can be supported. Anybody who's working in a field where they're working with children can learn about this and be helpful because it happens everywhere. And it may not necessarily be myself as, for example, the fifth grade teacher that saw my student being bullied, but maybe the custodian who is typically in a lunchroom because this is where it's happening is the one that is observing this behavior. So he should be getting information and training on how to recognize it, what the policies are, how to report it and how to address it. No, the custodian may not necessarily be able to say, okay, you're suspended or you're going to have detention because you do X, Y, and Z, but because they see it, they can address it right away and then take the next necessary steps to inform administration or the proper authorities on what's happening so that it can be addressed. So to me, it's not field specific in that sense, but if you are working with young people or anybody, because sometimes the adult can be the bully. It could be the adult to the child. Um, 
you want to know what that looks like. You want to know what the policies around that are like so that you can then take the necessary steps to address it. But certainly anything in mental health, anyone that works in a school or a school building or anything related again to children could be most helpful um, because it happens everywhere. Just the bus driver, because bullying happens on the school buses. So you may see it there. So you wanna make sure they know as well. Um, and I think if everyone knows and everyone knows how to address it, it becomes a little more effective in trying to combat it versus just expecting the teacher that's in the classroom or the guidance counselor to be the one to address it because everyone sees it and even you as a peer sees it. So it's important that you know what's happening and what's okay and what's not and how you can support in that situation. I think that's really good advice that you don't need to be like in a specific mental health field to help someone who's being bullied. You can just be a regular adult doing your job who knows how to address bullying, or you can be a student or a peer who can help someone being bullied too. But yeah, thank you, Ms. Dixon and Ms. Dorn for joining us on our episode today. Thank you viewers and watchers for taking your time to watch this podcast episode and make sure you follow our social medias, our Instagram and our Spotify and YouTube. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. And thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Bye. Thank you. Have a good one. Take care. I hope you enjoy another episode of the Dream Big Podcast. Special thanks to our guests, Ms. Dorm and Ms. Dixon, for providing their insight on the effects of bullying and ways students can use their voice to create change in their schools. Thank you to the podcast team for always providing great insight into our conversations, as well as our host, Priye Wakoma. Please visit our website, www.leep2collegefoundation.org. For more information regarding our programs and services, as well as our Instagram page, Leap to College Foundation Incorporated, and our YouTube channel, L2C Dream Big. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please make sure to leave us a review. You can also leave a rating for us on Spotify. Ratings can help us improve our content and allow more people to find our podcast. Look out for the next episode being released on April 25th, and thank you for your support.